0: Welcome to the
1: Gospel for Life. During this Advent season, we have been, and we means Vinnie Henke from Valley Life Community Church, Ryan Hempfell from Treasure Valley, RPCNA, and Jonathan Van Hoogen from Spring United Reformed Church. We have been working through some devotional thoughts from J.C. Ryle, an Anglican minister from the 19th century, and A gal by the name of Mary Davis compiled these into an Advent devotional called The Coming of the King. And we have been spending a little bit of time not looking at the first coming of Christ, but in his second Advent, the sure promises of God's Word that this King is coming again. And we have primarily been working through some passages in the book of Matthew, and then looking at some of J.C. Ryle's thoughts on that. And we will continue that today, once again, in Matthew 25. Hear the word of God
2: from Matthew chapter 25, beginning at verse 14 from the ESV. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. "'Master, I knew you to be a hard man, "'reaping where you did not sow "'and gathering where you scattered no seed. "'So I was afraid, "'and I went and hid your talent in the ground. "'Here, you have what is yours.' "'But his master answered him, "'You wicked and slothful servant! "'You knew that I reap where I have not sown "'and gather where I have scattered no seed? "'Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, "'and at my coming I should have received "'what was my own with interest.' "'So he took the talent from him, and gave it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he who will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. J.C. Ryle writes, The parable of the
3: talents is very close to that of the ten virgins. Both direct our minds, same important event, the second advent of Jesus Christ. Both bring before us the same persons, the members of the professing Church of Christ. Vigilance is the key note of the first parable, diligence that of the second. The story of the virgins calls on the Church to watch, the story of the talents calls on the Church to work. We learn from this parable that all professing Christians have received something from God. We are all God's servants. We all have talents entrusted to our charge. In the sense in which our Lord used the word in this parable, it applies to all baptized persons without distinction. We all have talents in God's sight. We are all talented people. Anything with which we may glorify God is a talent, our gifts, our influence, our money, our knowledge, our health, our strength, our time, our senses, our reason, our intellect, our memory, our affections, our privileges as members of Christ's Church our advantages as possessors of the Bible, all our talents. Where did these things come from? What hand bestowed them? There's only one answer to these questions. All that we have is a loan from God. We are God's stewards. We are God's debtors. Let this thought sink deeply into our hearts.
0: Ryle's exposition continues. We learn from this parable that true Christians will receive an abundant reward in the great day of reckoning. It tells us that the servants who had used their Lord's money well were commended as good and faithful and told to enter into the joy of their Lord. These words are full of comfort to all believers and may well fill us with wonder and surprise. The best of Christians is a poor, frail creature and needs the blood of the atonement every day that he or she lives. But the least and lowest of believers will find that they are counted among Christ's servants and that their labor has not been wasted in the Lord's service. They will discover to their amazement that their master's eyes saw more beauty in their efforts to please him than they ever saw in themselves." They will find that every hour spent in Christ's servant and every word spoken on Christ's behalf has been written in a book of remembrance. Let believers remember these things and take courage. The cross may be heavy now, but the glorious reward will make amends for all. Here some drops of joy may enter into us, but there we shall enter into joy. Let us leave this parable with a serious determination, by God's grace, never to be content with a profession of Christianity without practice. Let us not only talk about faith, but act. Let us not only feel the importance of believing, but do something too. We are not told that the unprofitable servant was a murderer or a thief or even a waster of the Lord's money, but he did nothing, and this was his ruin. Let us beware of a do-nothing Christianity. Such Christianity does not come from the Spirit of God. To do no harm, says Baxter, is the praise of a stone, not of a man. So,
1: today we're going to deal with two things that I think sometimes we as Christians have difficulty understanding and embracing correctly. And it's the two concepts of work and we reward for the child of God. So J.C. Ryle will make the comment that vigilance is the keynote of the first parable, the parable that we dealt with yesterday about the virgins, and diligence, that of the second, the one that we're talking about today, about the talents. The story of the virgin calls on the church to watch, which I think most people are okay with. People say, of course we're to be ready. Of course we're to keep an eye towards the coming of Jesus Christ. The story of the talents calls on the church to work. And I think the church oftentimes has an unhealthy perspective on what that means. And I think there's danger. There's a ditch on either side of where we ought to be. Can you talk our listeners through the possible ditches that we can find ourselves in with regard to our our conception of work as it pertains to the Christian
0: life. I think that we need to understand that we are justified before God not by our works, you know, we're by faith alone. But that faith never operates alone. That faith, true faith, results in serving the Lord. And so this is what J.C. Ryle is getting to. True faith does not do nothing. It actually is is alive. It lives. It it carries out and works in obedience to the Lord. So the one ditch is thinking that our works actually merit our salvation,
1: and the other ditch is because my works don't merit my salvation, then...
0: Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah,
1: why bother? Yeah. Why do anything?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So talk our our listener through what does it look like to do true work for the child of god i think it starts
2: with with a frame of mind what i like about ryle's comments on december 9th is all of the categories it gives us for understanding our work our strength time senses reason intellect memory Mm -hmm. affections privileges the the list is so varied that it leaves us without excuse that no matter the the smallest aspect or attribute all of that can be used for god's glory and your neighbor's good and mm-hmm. so whether you get to stand up in front and preach like the four of us get to do, or you're in the back making coffee, or you're your you're mom at home caring for young children and discipling them in, in Christ, all of that is seen as work unto the Lord.
0: Well, I think it, it lends a, a, a certain distinction to the power of the ordinary. Yes. I, mean, I mean, we oftentimes think that, you know, we put first and second class Christians, you know, this is the person that's gone and served on the mission field or not, but uh, Ryle brings that power to ordinary life, uh, you know, in terms of, as you're pointing out, all these different areas in which we we can live out in in a gospel way before others. Yeah, yeah and, and
2: it, the, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, understand that all of those become gifts from God, then understands that I'm to use them out of a heart of gratitude in response to the gracious gifts that they are.
3: Right, right. And just kind of jumping on the ordinary thing that you mentioned, Jonathan, of – the illustration of of the body that God uses comes to mind as well, yeah, you know there's all the various parts of our physical body that we have, and when they're doing their ordinary things, functioning, how their work is supposed to work, our bodies are healthy and good it's when they don't work like they're supposed to, and they have some dysfunction that pain and discomfort comes and I think with the church, the body of Christ, you know we're all given these gifts, and we 're all parts of the body. And we're to use these, as Vinny, you mentioned, the, the broad categories that Ryle brings out of, they're from the man standing in the pulpit preaching to the one making coffee or the one comforting a friend. I mean, these are gifts that God has given to use.
1: Another danger with the whole idea of talents is, and J.C. Ryle talks about this, is pride. Yeah, That we we look at these things not as things that have been given, but that we somehow, they come from us. And probably one of the more transformational verses in my life has been 1 Corinthians 4, 7. What do you have that you did not receive? Mm. If then you received it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? And that has been very helpful for me, um, to just have a healthy perspective on giftedness, that I'm just a steward, I'm not the owner, I'm the steward. And Tolkien has some great lines on this with regard to the kings of Gondor, that their issue was that they forgot that they were, those that were stewards in Gondor forgot that the king was coming back. Mm. And they were just stewards sitting on the throne. They weren't kings. And I think sometimes we as Christians can begin to forget that we're not the king, but that we're just stewards that he's entrusted um, with work, and with gifts to use in in his kingdom.
0: Well, it, it's interesting that J.C. Ryle, when, when we actually begin to examine ourselves, you know, he's he's letting us know that we're we're really frail creatures and we need Christ covering every day. But he says once we've reached that understanding, we're going to be surprised even the, and dis, to discover that. He sees more beauty in us than we could see in ourselves. We are far greater love than we could ever dare to imagine.
1: This whole idea, and that brings us to this idea of rewards. This was probably my favorite devotional that up until this point, and Jonathan alluded to that, that we see our, our weakness, we see our failings, and we are weak and we do fail. But that whole line, their master's eye saw more beauty in their efforts to please him than they ever saw in themselves. Yeah. And the, Brian alluded this to a couple of days ago. There's coming a day when we will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And I can't imagine that we're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Mm. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. We'll see you tomorrow.